our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Hello, Simran. How's it going? Hey, Sonia. It is going so well. I had a talk the other night and I'm just still so obsessed. I need to tell you what happened. So let me just set the scene. When we do talks, and it's happened to both of us, when we do talks, we want to talk to everyone. So we often stay behind and, you know, like, we finish, we're just still on the stage and people come and chat and it's so awesome meeting everyone from GTI, from, you know, different parts of the world. But what we always do wrong is we always forget to grab ourselves food. And by the time the last person has spoken to us, we just like the food's always gone. This has happened multiple times in our events where we have like hosted and paid for food and then we never end up getting to eat them. So last night I was at an event and it was held by a South Asian group and being South Asian, they're so hospitable as I was talking and kind of doing my thing. They came up to me with like a plate of food, you know, when like the bride gets married and they're like, oh my God, you're so busy. Have a plate. They brought me a plate of food and were like, you have not eaten, have some food. Someone got me like a Coke bottle. It was, I've just never had anyone do that for me before. It was so sweet. That is so, so sweet, especially like if they don't mind like giving you that attention while you're doing your thing. They're probably just so aware that you've done like a fair few events before and you stay behind as well. That was like our Toronto event. We stayed like, I think nearly three hours after it had ended. We were, we had not drunk any water. We hadn't had anything to eat and it was we we're running off the energy of meeting people and talking to different people that as soon as the last person came up to us and talked to us as soon as we exited the venue we were like dead yeah it's so fun like I love I'm an extrovert so I get energy from talking to people but I just need to get so much better at like setting some food aside for myself or just eating before I go like that's an option as well I just never think it through no I just feel like that requires learning from your past mistakes, which is something that we are working on. <laughs> we'll get there. When you say we, do you <laughs> mean like we are working on it for Simran or we are working on it each ourselves? We are working on it each ourselves. See, it just didn't feel like that way. It was like, this is something we're working on for you. Well, I meant it that way. So can't really do anything about that now, can you? Sonia's favorite line is, 
all I can do is apologize. And it's like, that doesn't sound like an apology whatsoever. That's because I did not apologize in this instance. Before we get into the show, a huge thank you to HSBC for powering this week's episode. 9 in 10 women are ready to grow their wealth in the next 12 months, yet only 33% are confident in their ability to make investment decisions. We are so proud to be partnering with HSBC as they pave the way for financial well-being and diversity, which aligns with our mission of empowering women. An integral part of HSBC's mission is to empower and support each customer with their unique wealth needs, whenever and wherever they are. So whether you're at the very beginning of your wealth creation phase and taking your first steps in investing, or you're starting to think about passing your wealth and values to the next generation, HSBC can connect you to global opportunities at every stage of your wealth journey. Jump into the link in the description to find out more. All right, back to the show. Anyways, now before we start riffing into each other's throats over... (laughs) It wouldn't be an episode without a little bit of bicker, you know? That's absolutely true. But in saying that, what are we talking about today? Because I am so excited. This is like your forte and I just cannot wait to be filled with so much knowledge by the end of this episode. Sonia, please take it from here. No pressure. Well, today we are talking about all things insurance. This is something people have constantly asked us about and I am so glad that we are delivering for you today. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, my background is in health insurance and so I know a little bit, I know a thing or two about insurance, why people get it, how it works. So I'm just really excited to chat about all the things today. Before I jump into it though, Sim, do you remember like your first initial thoughts about insurance like when was the first time that you ever heard of insurance the first time I ever heard of insurance was when my dad would joke about my mum wanting to like get him so that she could get his life insurance (laughs) which I don't know it's just like a very like it's a joke he makes a little too often but he's like oh haha you know like My mom would be like, I really want to buy this. And he's like, well, there's one way you can buy it. And I'm like, this is just so not healthy. But my view on insurance has often come from very lighthearted jokes like that or, you know, instances of being like, oh, my goodness, like so-and-so, did you see that they like put their car through water? Like they're trying to like get car insurance, but illegally, like they're committing fraud. And so I've never had great experiences with insurance. And I've always felt like certain kinds of insurance was a waste of money because in my head, obviously I don't feel that way now, but in my head, I'm like, why would I pay something up front for something that I might never need? Like that seems like scam 101. So it took me a while to unlearn it. But yeah, what was your first experience with insurance? Because I'm sure you've got maybe a more nicer beginning. Honestly, the first experience that I've ever had with insurance is when I was 15 or 16 and I had to suss out some travel insurance for a trip. So my head insurance was only for like really big events or for travel, things that don't happen all the time. I didn't really understand that there were so many different types of insurance because I was only dealing with one type, which was travel. And then kind of like you, I'm a huge fan of crime documentaries, crime podcasts. There's been so many cases of like insurance fraud and people like murdering their significant others for like life insurance. So I think that was like my first, I guess, 
not experience with it, but like I was first exposed to life insurance that way as well, which is insane. Oh, see, mine wasn't crime documentaries. Mine was like real yeah, life. Your, like, these were the like, conversations. I should be recording this and putting it up for everyone to hear. Why not? It puts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. But I think it's interesting that you say that one of your initial thoughts was, you know, why would I pay for something? that I might never use. And I think a lot of people feel that way. So in terms of why people get insurance in the first place, you know, accidents and disasters, they can happen and they do happen. And I think like most people, you never really think that it's going to happen to you until it does. And if you don't Mm -hmm. have an emergency fund, if you don't have a safety net, you could face some really huge financial struggles and setbacks if you don't have insurance. And it is one way to protect, you know, your wealth, your health, (laughs) your life, your (laughs) materialistic things that you own. And there's ways to still have insurance, but pay perhaps a lower premium if you do have, you know, a safety net and emergency fund or as it's growing, how we can lower your premium. So we'll talk about that too. But I think one of the biggest reasons why people have insurance is for peace of mind. There are certain types of people that will have every single kind of insurance just so they can go to bed easy at night. Like no matter what happens, no matter what disaster happens, no matter if they lose their job or if their house gets set on fire, you know, they have a way out of it in terms of being covered by a policy that they have through different insurance companies. And then there's other people who are like, no, I'm not getting any type of insurance. I've got like 20 grand set in cash and that's all I need and that's all I'll have. And I'll deal with any disaster that comes my way because that way they don't have to pay a monthly premium that might be a little bit expensive. So first of all, I just want to acknowledge that there are different types of insurance available and it's actually pretty unlikely that you'll need them all or even want them all. But It really depends on your situation if you do have a significant other, if you do have loved ones that you want to protect, if you do have children, if you do have assets that you want to protect. Even as like a single woman in her mid-twenties, myself, I still have certain types of insurance, but it can be overwhelming. So off the bat, I recommend if you are feeling overwhelmed, if you don't know where to start, I recommend speaking to a financial advisor or insurance broker because they can give you personalized advice based on your situation, based on your family, based on, you know, your needs, your wants and your financial goals. And it can take away that overwhelm and they can set out policies that you might need you might not need. I have a question I've always wanted to know and I guess I've never asked it because I've never wanted to like come across like I don't know offensive or odd but do you think insurance is something that people need at certain stages of their financial journey and what I mean by that is like do you think that once you have enough money insurance is just void? That is such an interesting question. I'm gonna say no. Because for me when I started out in my journey I was like well like I will always have like third party car insurance, right? Or, you know, if my car hits another person's car, I can cover it. But if my car is only at that time worth like $4,000, then I don't really want to be paying for the insurance of, you know, what happens to my car. 
And then as you start making a little bit more money or as I started making more money, I was like, well, if anything happened to my $4,000 car, I do have $4,000 to pay for a new car if the other person didn't have insurance to cover my car. So what I want to know is, do you feel like up to a certain salary or a certain amount of money that you have saved or invested that you don't need insurance anymore? Personally, I feel like your insurance coverage might change, but I still think that no matter how much you earn, unless you're like well into your millions, well into your billions, maybe you don't have insurance that way, but I still feel like even people with that kind of wealth have insurance. I think that people tend to believe that when you have something go wrong with your car and you have like a $5,000 emergency fund, that that's an isolated incident. And that means that life can't impact you any which way. Like imagine if something happened to your car, if something happened to your you know, house, which has, you know, your house ceiling, something happened with your health and also you were robbed. Those are like five different events that really your $5,000 emergency fund is going to cover all of those different things. See, that sounded mean. <laughs> You're right. That's so true. I'm so okay. sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was a little bit. <laughs> Just because I share that my emergency fund is $5,000 does not mean you can turn that around and use it against me. I'm so sorry. I just realized how that sounded. I didn't mean for it to come across as harsh as it did. But what I'm trying to say is that people think that only one disaster mm-hmm. can happen at a time. You know, mm-hmm. life is cruel, so true. guys. Life is not always perfect. One, two, three, four things might happen in your life and your safety net might just like go to zero so fast you have no idea. So I think with insurance, again, it's peace of mind. Again, do what's best for you. If you have a really high risk tolerance, I would say I'm a little bit more risk adverse, (laughs) then maybe you don't need it. But I genuinely think that no matter what stage of life you're at, you need some sort of insurance. I think that's fair enough. Do you mind kind of breaking down the three main types of insurances and what we should know about each one of them and what we should think about when it comes to determining if we even need it or not? Because you know what? I'm still not convinced. Yeah. So the three main types of insurance that we'll cover today is health insurance, life insurance, and car insurance. I think those are the three main types that we constantly get questioned about as well. Now with health insurance, I would really encourage you to understand how the healthcare system in your country works, how the public healthcare system works and your private healthcare system works because it is different country to country like the way that it works in New Zealand and in terms of how I advocate for health insurance there's going to be 10 different reasons why someone might advocate for the same thing in America because their public health system is different or non-existent in that case so with health insurance in New Zealand New Zealand has a great public system We offer free public health care. If you have an accident or injury, it usually gets covered through ACC. If you have something that is life-threatening or acute care, it will get covered through our public system and you get prioritized in terms of when you're seen. And most cancers, certain illnesses, they're covered through the public system. And a lot of people have the misconception of thinking that 
the public system and the private system in New Zealand work against each other. That's actually not the case. They work together and the private health insurance system in New Zealand is really there to alleviate any stress that the public system has. So it helps people avoid, you know, long wait lists, get treatment quicker. It also allows you to get scans, tests and have consultations with private specialists based on your own timetable rather than like the public system dictating when you have to go to your appointment. And that can be easier, you know, through work to plan. And in terms of all like your extra cover, like your dental, your vision, the public healthcare system doesn't cover those benefits. So your private health insurance gives you the ability to get those extra things covered with a cost attached to it as well. I think a lot of people are reluctant to get health insurance in general because... For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. To be honest, people's health is last on their list in terms of what to cover. We're really quick to cover, you know, materialistic things in our lives like content insurance or like house insurance or even like car insurance, but we don't really think about our health. And I just wanted to provide a perspective of If you get diagnosed with an illness or if you have to have treatment or you have to have surgery or you have some unexpected, you know, health events, the last thing that you want to do is stress about money. And I cannot tell you the amount of stories that I have heard in my time in health insurance, like the financial stress that some people feel, it immediately just goes away when they realize that they're covered through the private system and their policy covers what they need. Your health also changes quicker than you think. So a lot of people think that they can just get health insurance when they're a little bit older. So in your 40s, in your 50s, in your 60s, when you know things are running down, you're more prone to like health scares and, you know, just the aging process in general. The thing that I would flag there is, is pre-existing conditions. So with pre-existing conditions, they are any sign or symptom or event of health that has happened to you before you get your policy. So for example, you get your policy at 30, but you've got a whole history of migraines. Migraines would be a pre-existing condition on your policy. So in the future, if you had anything, any health event, any, I guess like disease, any illness that you have that 
migraines could be a symptom of that, you are most likely not going to get covered for that claim because it's listed as a pre-existing condition. If you get your policy in your 50s, you're likely to have a whole list of pre-existing conditions and that means that the worthiness of that policy might go down because you're not covered for very much, if that makes sense. See, that's why I don't like health insurance. I mean, I will always have health insurance, but that to me is so slimy. Like, oh, one day I complained about a migraine when I was 15, and then if I get brain cancer when I'm like 80, like that's not covered, even though I got health insurance when I was like 16. Like that to me just... It's not fair. It just makes me not want to trust the system. Yeah, and that's completely fair. I think a lot of people share the same sentiment as you as well. I think there are ways to get your pre-existing conditions covered and waived. You just need to talk to your insurer. For example, with what you just said in terms of having one headache at 15 and that was in your GP notes, you can go to your GP and say this headache hasn't persisted and it hasn't turned into anything sinister and then you can talk to your underwriters of your insurance company and they can potentially get that waived especially if you are in your 30s and that headache hasn't turned into anything from an insurance perspective where they're coming from is they really just need to assess risk and that is for multiple reasons they need to make sure that they've got enough money to pay out claims for people that have their policies and some of these surgeries, some of these treatments, they're hundreds and thousands of dollars, right? People are paying $60 a month and then they get like their surgery fully covered for $200,000. Like it is an insane Mm -hmm. amount of money, how much healthcare actually costs, which is another story in itself. Like I don't really want to go into that because we'd be here forever. So yeah, they really need to assess risk. And they do that with any policy that you have. I think that's one of the caveats of like having an insurance policy. And that's why I advocate, especially for health insurance, to if you can afford it, if your country, like if you need it in your country to get your foot in the door with health insurance as soon as you can. So those pre-existing conditions don't build up that There are people who have been on policies since birth and they have things covered since birth and they don't have any pre-existing conditions. Developed conditions are usually covered with health insurers because they're things that you develop while you have had the policy. So for example, if you have had a policy since you were 20 and now you're 35 and like something's happening with your knees and you might need a knee replacement, that's most likely going to be covered because your knee pain or any knee specialist appointments that you've had, any like physio appointments, like they're not pre-existing conditions. I think it's also a way to kind of stop insurance scam in a sense of there are some people who realize that they need insurance and they get a policy with all these pre-existing conditions They'll get the policy, maybe pay $100 a month for 10 months. The health insurer pays out hundreds and thousands of dollars of claims and then they cancel their policy. That's not fair to other people who are holding the policy. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. So yeah, so that is my tip for health insurance. Just thinking about how important your health is to you, how public versus private healthcare works in your country and potentially what pre-existing conditions you might have now that you might need to discuss with your insurers. Moving on to life insurance. So life insurance is a contract 
agreement that you have between yourself and the insurer and it usually pays like a death benefit to the policy owner when the insured dies. So when you pass away, your family usually can get like a lump sum payout that you can put towards your mortgage or other debts or cost of living. And that takes care of your loved ones after you pass. So that's one of the main reasons people get life insurance. But I think what people don't realize is that you can use your life insurance when you're still alive as well, dependent on the policy that you have. So if you get diagnosed with a life-threatening illness or a terminal illness and something happens to you, you can use life insurance payouts or that lump sum claim on it and help you live like a better life towards the end of your life, as morbid as that sounds. That's so interesting. I thought the only person that benefited from it was like the people once you passed away. Yeah. I think even if you are single or you're, you know, with someone and you don't have children, I think life insurance, you should still consider it in a sense of, do you have, you know, siblings? Do you have parents? Do you have like other dependents around you where you can kind of write on your policy, this is who the payout goes to. This is who that lump sum of money goes to, because you don't have to have children of your own or like a significant other to have insurance because like if you think about it your debt obligations shouldn't fall on like your parents after you pass away either or like your siblings that's very true the third most common insurance is probably your car insurance and everyone always is so risky with their car insurance. They don't get car insurance and then something happens. I feel like it's Murphy's Law or something in the universe is like if you don't have a particular type of insurance or you cancel your car insurance and then something happens to your car, I feel like this is the biggest insurance that people have for peace of mind because, sure, you mm-hmm. might be a good driver. You might, you know, know road rules and drive safely, but can you count on every person on the road to do the same as you? No, you can't. Absolutely not. (laughs) There's also different types of car insurance. And I guess at the end of the day, like with all of these insurances, it just depends on what coverage you want, how much coverage you want, and what premium you're willing to pay. Because as Sim said, she just has third-party car insurance, but you can get comprehensive car insurance that covers you for a lot more. Whereas you just need to ask yourself a few questions first. Now, if you don't have the resources where you don't feel comfortable at this stage to go to a insurance broker or use a financial advisor and you do have time to research this on your own, some things to ask yourself if you're considering different types of insurance is to do a needs analysis for yourself. Now, as I just mentioned, if you figure out what insurances you're interested in, how much coverage you need, what you want covered, that will usually help. And these different companies have quote tools on their websites where you can get indicative quotes and you can see how much policies of interest to you are going to cost and how you can embed that in your budget as well. You can also call the customer service teams of these companies and get them to do a needs analysis for you because they'll ask you some really great questions and give you some more quotes and if there's any deals on the line and provide those to you as well. I think if you have a decent amount 
of money in your emergency fund and you have a decent amount in your savings, then again, you can get quotes for less cover or you can add on an excess where if you did have surgery, you can pay the $1,000 excess and shave off maybe $100 of your premium per month and you still have cover. It's important to look at policy conditions and what it means for you when you downgrade your cover and then want to upgrade again in the future, how that works. You know, for example, with health insurance, like how it works with your pre-existing conditions if you downgrade and upgrade again. And yeah, that's where I would start if you're curious about it. I think that's so helpful. Like I've never considered the idea of sitting down and having like a needs analysis with myself. I think that's always been like, sort of like a rough, vague thought in my head of like, well, do I need car insurance? I would, I could probably cover that. Do I need like house insurance? Well, I probably could not cover the cost of my house. So let me get that. But do I need contents insurance? Oh, I don't own like anything expensive. So I don't need that. Like, it's nice to know that there's actually like a practical way that you can sit down and do it. I also just want to say that with life insurance, it's so interesting the idea that some of us do actually need to have it for reasons outside of having children or a partner. Like you never really think about life insurance for your parents, like you giving money to your parents or you giving money to your siblings. There's just so many options that I honestly just need to go over. If I was starting out, because I guess I am, what's like the best way to go through and get insurance? Like, do you recommend going to a broker or are you like, just do it online if you have the time? I think it's interesting. If you know exactly what you need and you're happy to do the research yourself, then I would just do it online and not go through a broker. If you don't have time to do it all and you would like personalized advice, then I would say go to a broker. Even if you're just stepping into it, you've carved out a Saturday or Sunday to sit down and think about it. Why not call? I know a lot of people aren't fans of calling contact centers, but they really do have like a wealth of information that they can provide you, especially with deals. So yeah, if you can do it on your own, do it online. If you do have the budget and you don't have the time to go through a financial advisor or a broker, then do that. Okay. That's pretty straightforward. Well, thank you so much for breaking this down. I have learned a lot. I'm sure our audience has learned so many things. I need to ask you though, very quickly. So you have health insurance. Mm -hmm. You are going to get life insurance. Mm -hmm. And if you had a car, you would get car insurance. Correct. That's just me. I'm a little paranoid person. I would like to sleep better at night and not think about things. Like I have a good amount in my emergency fund. Yeah, because that's what I was going to ask. Like, you have plenty to cover all those things. Yeah. And yet you still have insurance. So that's so interesting. I think it goes to show, like, it just kind of debunks the thought I had that if you had enough money, you don't need insurance. So it's just, it's helpful. Thank you. At the end of the day, do what's right for you, you know? Just because someone else has a peace of mind with a certain amount of money and they don't have insurance doesn't mean that's going to bring you the same peace of mind. You just really need to sit down with your thoughts and crack it for your own sis so crack it for your own sis now that's a great place to leave the podcast bye <laughs> if you enjoyed this please share it on your instagram story pass it on to a friend that wants to sort out their money and get their insurance wrapped up this has been such a great episode thank you so much sonia i'm, I'm treating you like you're a guest for some reason you're obviously not but thank you again and now the disclaimer 
Before we go, thank you again to HSBC for not only powering this episode, but for the rest of the season. Don't forget to check out the link in the description to find out more. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence.